Long before the CrossFit rage, there was an exercise movement known as cross-training. Hi there, this is Rev Brad. Cross-training was popular back in the early 2000s, and I remember it involved a philosophy where athletes would cross-train with a number of different exercises or for a number of different sports so that the athlete could have better overall fitness. I remember one particular story of the American football player John Lynch, who neighbors would recall seeing him, oddly enough, spinning and whirling and twirling in the local neighborhood during the offseason as he was learning ballet moves to increase his balance and agility. Well, cross-training was so popular that when I started out in ministry, that's the name I went with, with what is now called today Soccer Chaplains United. But I digress. You know, cross-training's advantage back then was that it provided more holistic fitness. It helped athletes become faster, stronger, smarter, and overcome some of the training deficiencies that existed in particular sports around the world. Of course, we've come a long way in our understanding of the body and physical fitness. Today's football clubs, and I'm talking soccer here, often have a large amount of resources put towards sports science departments, and here the immediate analytics and other applications of science and technology are applied toward helping determine an athlete's physical and emotional readiness for the game. I remember a long time ago watching the film A Shot at Glory. The movie was about a second division Scottish team that makes it to the Scottish Cup final against Rangers. In one of the scenes before the team begins conditioning, the coach, played by Robert Duvall, gives a speech. And he says very passionately, If you give me the heart, I'll give you the lungs, and we can work on the mind later. His job was to get the team ready, physically and mentally. The coach knew the importance of being able to play the game at a mental level and a physical level as well. He knew that if the team themselves put their heart into it, it would all go very far. But it's not enough simply to be prepared physically and mentally. There's a spiritual readiness that is necessary, especially in this day and age. Many years ago, the Apostle Paul challenged his young mentee, Timothy, on this very thing. In a letter written to Timothy, now known as the book of 1 Timothy, Paul writes, For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. You can find that in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. Paul had been teaching and training Timothy via correspondence and telling him some of the necessary things that he would need to consider as he looked to take over Paul's ministry to the early church. In this letter, Paul gives him some much-needed counsel and wisdom on issues that he's going to face. For certain, Paul didn't want Timothy to lose sight of his own need, though, to teach about godliness, or what I call spiritual training, and to be spiritually fit himself for the challenges that lie ahead. You know, whether you're a professional athlete or coach, or you work with those who are, we all know that physical training is a high value. Without it, you can't compete. You can't work in elite sports especially. And those at elite levels know that there's even a certain degree of mental training that has to accompany the level of sport that they play at because of the pressures and trials and travails often face. Back to the film, the coach I remember had given the young American goalkeeper a mental picture of fly fishing. And that young goalkeeper used the mental training from the coach to make a crucial save in a penalty shootout to keep the team alive in the competition. But as I said, physical and mental training aren't even enough to withstand the pressures that come with big-time sports. You know, recently, Paul Pogba of Manchester United 
took severe racial and other abuses when he missed a penalty kick in a league match. And while many have stood at his side and offered or shown support, there's not much that physical training in this case can do about that. And even the strongest mental training can't protect against some of the spiritual trauma and abuse that someone can take in the course of their life and their work. Spiritual training isn't different from physical and mental training. It has to be developed. And in the way that we exercise and work out things physically and mentally, the same is true on the spiritual side. If we don't train and condition our lives spiritually, then when we face the difficult penalty kick moments of life, we may be utterly dismayed, deflated, or defeated. As a volunteer chaplain of the football teams that I serve, much of my role is to try and provide the athletes, coaches, staff, and their families with resources, examples, and ways to develop their lives spiritually, and to help them to be ready to face some of life's toughest opponents. So real quick, if you were to self-assess, where's your spiritual fitness level at? How life fit or spiritually fit are you? You know, a football match only lasts 90 minutes, but a lifetime? What does your spiritual training regimen look like? I think next time I'll share some ideas on how to increase your spiritual strength. I hope you have the spiritual and mental fortitude to face the difficult penalty kick moments of life. And that's what we're about here with Soccer Chaplains United. So, you know, if this is something you're really struggling with and you need help, reach out to us through the app or our website, soccerchaplainsunited.org. Remember this key word, though, that Paul tells Timothy. Physical training is of some value, but godliness, or spiritual training, has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is Rev coming to you from the Touchline.